Okay, howdy, my buds. Welcome back to the Strive Podcast. I am Jasper McDermott, your host for today, and this is episode six. In this episode, we are going to be exploring all things diet, weight loss, fat loss, clarifying those terms therein, um, so that you can come away understanding how it is that one goes about losing unwanted body fat. This plagues just about everyone's life at some stage or other, as far as I know, and it's mainly made just that much worse and confusing and full of just absolute despair because of the misinformation and the confusion and the misdirection and the curtain holding, largely by industry and people trying to make money. Um, And I want to just clear this up. I've had a bunch of conversations in the gym this week uh, around people that have either been confused around it or they've been having conversations with people that they know uh, who are... (laughs) coming out with some things that are potentially dangerous or indeed um, going to lead to disappointment and you know not improved health and all those things. And now we've discussed in the past around this idea of weight loss and how it's almost been um, uh, demonized now because of like health at any size and the body positivity movement. I've explored all that. If you want to go back through the episodes, you can hear us elaborate on that. This episode is just about arming you with the information you need. So indeed, if losing unwanted fat is the going to be a good choice for you right now to help you improve your health and happiness, confidence, whatever, then we are just going to clarify how it is that you go around doing that and how I, how you can make it the most effective and sustainable approach for you. Now, of course, there is a personal element in here. I don't know your life and your circumstances. So that's where you have to, you know, have some sense around the information and how that's going to apply to your life. But I will provide as much context and information around that as I can. I don't want this to be too rambly and too sticky in terms of the scientific processes. If that's something you're interested in, you can either reach out to me personally or indeed you can just follow people that are way more niche and granular about this. My job largely as a professional is to take that information from and all the evidence and the science and boil it down just into applicable, actionable steps so that it isn't confusing. Um, And that's what we're going to do today. So this being the ultimate weight loss episode, uh, I'll probably like to think I'll come up with a slightly better name for it, but more or less, that's what we're looking at here. Uh, And just to clarify, because you'll often hear me jump between those terms, weight loss is um, like the most mainstream term of it. But what we mean by that unless there's, you know, unique circumstances, is fat loss. We want to lose fat. We have muscle and fat that we are the deposits that we can largely control outside of, you know, bone and organ. Um, And muscle is good and hard to come by and hard to get, and we've got to keep it. Fat is something that we can control, right? And that's going to be the one that we're looking to lose. As I said, unless there's a specific reason, you're a movie star preparing for a role where you've got to be emaciated, you're going to want to lose muscle or what have you. Um, That has actually happened. Um, But we're going to be talking about fat loss. Weight loss is just the mainstream term. But however, there is some importance around that that I'd like to just cover right now. People often use scale as the main, like scale weight, stepping on the scale as the main tool to indicate their progress in this realm. And I've discussed about like the pros, but certainly the cons. And it's become, again, another thing that's demonized and just has no utility and it's the worst. And again, that's just an extreme, um, you know, extrapolation of its problems. I think it can be a useful tool. But where it does go wrong is the fact that it's just your weight. And your weight can fluctuate a great deal, several kilos, many pounds throughout any given day, depending on your eating and your stress levels and your hydration levels and your activity levels, um, whereby it's telling you your weight, your whole sum with gravity, not what's happening with your body fat stores, which is the only thing we should really care about. For example, when you're stressed, you're going to retain more water. When you have a high-carbohydrate meal, uh, it's going to draw four times its volume in water into uh your muscle tissues, for example, and 
it's going to increase your scale weight way more. Again, carbohydrates, you're going to store those as glycogen. All these stored things weigh something, and that can fluctuate up and down, right, throughout any given day, uh, along with waste products. So that's why when you, people jump on the scale, like, oh my God, I gained four pounds. Oh my God, I lost five pounds. And it's just like a ridiculous emotional roller coaster if it's not backed up by the education and understanding what is actually happening there. So it is limited. That's why I like to use fat more specifically because that's what we should be looking at over the course of time, not the daily fluctuations that we're going to understand are going to happen um, just because we're human beings and those processes are always, always going on. Um, so henceforth, we'll be saying fat loss, okay? Um, now, fat loss happens, drum roll, through only one mechanism, and that is an energy deficit. So if we think of fat, stored body fat that comes from energy taken in that doesn't have a, uh, a use for currently, gets stored as body fat. It gets stored as other things like glycogen um, in the muscle tissues, in the liver. But ultimately, if we have an abundance of energy over any given time frame, then that gets stored as fat for later. That's an adaptive evolutionary process. That's great. That allows us to survive. If we have like a lot of food, we're going to store it for winter, right? So ultimately, that's an adaptive process. However, what's made that difficult now, I love this quote. I heard this today. It's like mankind's problem stems from the fact that we have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. And what I mean by that in this context is the reason there's such an obesity epidemic is that hyperpalatable, really tasty, heavily energy dense, so highly calorific food is readily available all the time and it's the cheapest food and you can get it anywhere. Not to mention we're more sedentary than ever. We're tied to our jobs and our phones and our technology. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to move our bodies to survive as much anymore, even though we could argue that we should. Um, and so what that means is more abundance of energy, not using that energy, and hey presto, um, lots of other you know things in between the lines there. But those are the two main drivers that are leading us to this place of an abundant uh, abundance of stored energy, which is our body fat in this case. And what can be confusing is so many things get demonized as to what makes you fat, what makes you lose weight, and things like that. And the only thing, just to, this is the big umbrella. Once you know this, your life feels so much freer, or indeed your body composition, but because you see it so simply, it allows you to not make these heinous choices that don't serve you and do ridiculous diets, ridiculous exercise protocols, because you understand that it's about energy balance. It's about how much food you are taking in, or indeed any form of calories, versus how much you as a person require to survive plus all the movement that you are doing. Now, we consider this, um, you know, you have the BMR, the basal metabolic rate. So that would be just you lying in a hospital bed kind of thing. And then you have the TDEE, which is the one that we more use on a practical everyday basis. That is your total daily energy expenditure. That's everything factored in. Um, your unique individual um, traits, age, sex, height, weight, factored also with a multiplier that will be your um, daily energy requirement. So that's how much you're moving everywhere, plus considered, um, yeah, so your energy demand, sorry, for your activities. And that is, you know, our hypothetical number that it takes to maintain us at our current weight. Uh, and so understanding that, whether we're looking to track calories or not is a conversation further down the line, but understanding that that number exists more or less, right? It's always going to be changing, but it's kind of our ballpark figure to begin with. Um, if you consume less calories than, that requ than it requires to run your show, basically, so keeping you maintaining your current body weight with the energy demands that you have, with the energy you're taking in, if you have less than that, 
that's known as the uh, a calorie deficit or an energy deficit your body has to go elsewhere to keep up with the demands without the energy coming in nutritionally um, and what have you so it goes elsewhere it can break down its tissues for um for energy now this can happen with muscle tissue um but in this instance as well we're talking about how it breaks down uh body fat and uses that for energy in place of the calories coming in through the diet and that's the only way that that happens is just a um deficit of energy and then obviously vice versa a surplus of energy is what leads to that being stored in the first place so it's not sugar it's not carbohydrates it's not fat it's not eating at night when you're not going to burn it off all these different things that permeate our understanding our society our education our upbringing that can just stay with you it can just stay with you these myths and they can make you just feel i don't know it can it can really inform your behavior your mindset anxiety levels around food and exercise when all it is is over time and when i say over time your body is always um got processes going on it's always storing it's always uh you know creating energy from sorry so it's always basically storing fat and oxidizing fat uh, and that process is is going on you know simultaneously so that's why i always say just over time because we don't need to worry about any given day it's just that if you're in a caloric deficit for the week for example then over time if you maintain that as an average then you will lose body fat but on any given day for example if i'm in a supposed caloric surplus here and tomorrow but then i go into a deficit then over time that that's what's important if that makes sense and that's what can be confusing is if someone's tracking calories or indeed just overall you know whether they're looking at the numbers or not i always recommend people look towards a weekly surplus a weekly deficit sorry tracking your calories on a weekly basis rather than daily because that is going to fluctuate unless you're someone who literally has uniform calories every day most people's lifestyles dictate that they will have fluctuating levels there and that also allows you if you want a bit of leniency like i'm not that hungry today or i didn't eat that much that means i could potentially bank those calories for a day that's really social or i want to have a really calorically um calorific meal for example um that gives you that flexibility caveat there before anyone runs off with that idea is that it um you know you don't blow the ass off of it basically don't starve yourself one day so you can overeat the next day that doesn't create a healthy pattern but it does give you some realms of flexibility there um now um so sorry so this process is obviously happening over a broader time frame okay storage and oxidation of um of fat and that's largely the point i wanted to get across with this message is that you don't it's not about demonizing anything and when we look at good foods and bad foods um that language alone has problematic impacts on people's mental health their relationship with food and that's the consistency that they can create with generally a nice healthy diet in conjunction with their exercise habits instead of seeing it's like this punishment this restriction this binge cycles that i see everyone including myself as a young person really get sucked into now um obviously when it comes to we talk about like the diet of today and heavily processed foods that have high fat content and high carbohydrate content so we're thinking like you know whether it be the treats the sweetest stuff the cakes and the pastries um even down to savory things you know like look like a hamburger very high fat content of the meat plus all the carbohydrates and the salt and stuff it makes them very easy to overconsume and really calorically dense a gram of fat has 9 calories in it and a gram of carbohydrate has 4 calories protein also has 4 calories 
but in fat's not bad, right? But it's very easy to eat a lot of calories that way. I even say conversely, is that the right word to use? Anyway, if someone's looking to gain weight, now what we know is a hard gain, is someone looking to gain muscle or get enough calories to support training, maybe looking to gain weight on purpose, increasing fat content is a great uh, of the diet is a great way to do that uh, because it's so calorically dense, doesn't take up a lot of space. So that's why those things can often get a bad name, um, but they aren't responsible. Like you could be in a calorie deficit, and so many of my clients or people that have successfully lost weight eating these foods have been. We would almost call this flexible dieting. That's where I often talk about the 80-20 principle. And what I mean by that is you've got a caloric deficit across a week, caloric deficit being eating low, um, less calories than you require to maintain your current weight. So your body breaks down body fat um, for that energy that it requires. And within your nutritional makeup across um, across those that make up those calories, you could have a hamburger, right? But it's not the hamburger doesn't instantly go, that food's bad. I'm going to instantly store it as body fat, as I even believe when I was younger and used to freak out about these foods and stuff. Or you preserve them, for, you re- re- leave them for cheat days, which is still quite a popularized concept where you just... You have a cheat day where you're cheating on your diet, already problematic language, right? Makes you think these foods are bad. You can eat them in absolute abundance and it's not going to affect your diet because it's just one day. And, and, and this is where the thing of just understanding energy balance, you know, checks and balances of your overall intake is what will really dictate your progress. And this both can allow you to detach the emotion from food because if you want something, you can have it. Understanding that if you, continue, if you want to continue making progress towards a goal, that if it is a weight loss, fat loss goal, for example, that it may push you further away um, from that goal, but that if you have it in the right amounts, for example, and not every day, then you're gonna be able to fit that in with your nutrition. You're gonna be able to enjoy that food because you enjoy that food because they're delicious. And it's gonna allow you the flexibility to keep this as a consistent thing. You're not gonna be restricting yourself over the long term um, and you are going to be able to keep up with things because you're not you know, holding on for dear life. Um, now, in terms of, Moving on now to finding what your amount of calories would be. I would just type in TDEE calculator online rather than me give you some figures here. Um, and that's going to give you an estimate. Now, it's only going to be an estimate. No one can give you an exact amount. And then what your job is to do, if you are indeed looking to lose fat, is um, create a deficit there. So a total daily energy expenditure will ask you a bunch of questions. It will give you an estimate. That is a maintenance number. From there, you would look to subtract an amount of calories daily and then add that up for a weekly average uh, that would give you your deficit. Now, that brings me to choosing a deficit. This is what brought me onto this. I had a conversation with a client whose friend was like, I'm starting the 800 calorie diet because I'm going to lose weight really quickly. And it's like, of course, but that doesn't make it a good idea. What's going to happen after that? You know, how many people have been on these overly restricted diets? 800 calories is not a lot. For some people, it's like not a lot. For some people, it's like really not a lot. Now, obviously, if you're like a really small sedentary person, 800 calories might not be that extreme of a deficit, but for most people, it more than likely will be. And it's going to lead you to be really hungry, really craving a lot of foods, feeling terrible in your everyday life, not being able to perform, especially if you're someone who's looking to move their body and certainly train, which I do recommend in conjunction with a diet. Um, you're going to be really struggling there. And it's only going to be a matter of time before you freak out, go the other direction, probably gain more weight than you even lost in the first place because you're going to consume loads of calories um, in this mad-ditch attempt just to you know, satiate these feelings. Uh, and then you're going to be back where you started, confused, swearing off diets like people often do, saying they don't work, when it's just because you approached it like a lunatic. There is 
few occasions where I'd really encourage incredibly aggressive deficits. There's a sliding scale to it, obviously. Now, generally speaking, you'll often see 500 calories below maintenance as a conventional deficit. That's going to allow you to be losing the theoretical um, one pound a week, okay? which supposedly is 3,500 calories uh, at a deficit. Now, it's obviously a little more complicated than that, but generally speaking, 500 calorie deficit is a reasonable place to start. You could start even smaller, around 250, 300 uh, below maintenance, um, and you would still see consistent progress, right? And it would maybe be a bit more slower, but potentially more sustainable because it's that much smaller of a deficit. Obviously, the more you go to larger deficits, yes, it can be exciting to think you're going to make progress really quickly, but are you going to be able to sustain that? And what's going to happen afterwards? How hard are you going to want to rebound the other direction? And how are you going to feel in the meantime? And is that really worth it? This is all about you feeling your best self. But if you feel terrible, no energy, lethargic, all you're thinking about is food, can't perform in the gym, I would argue that that's not a great way of going about doing things. I would argue you want a smaller deficit that you can sustain, you can still perform in the gym, you can still just operate in your life and feel good. Um, and lose weight slower, but then you're going to be able to, to keep it off because you're building a lifestyle that you that allows for that. And it gives you more calories to enjoy your life in the meantime, right? I always say to people, we want to be you in it. Uh, we want you on as many calories as possible. Yes, still in a deficit overall, but rather have you here that gives you a lot of room to play with that than you operating down here and you just get no food, right? If you think about that whole four calories to a gram of carbs to protein and nine calories for fat, What's 400 calories? It doesn't give you a lot of anything, really. Uh, what's 800 calories? Sorry, it doesn't give you a lot of room to play there. Um, so I just want to quickly sort of circle around and sum up. I've been talking a lot here, some of the you know, granular details, but it's that any diet you've ever come across, any diet that's aimed towards losing weight is a calorie deficit with a different set of clothes on it. It's dressed up differently. You've got a million different, like the 5-2 intermittent fasting, low-carb, keto, um, Atkins, or there's just a million. They come out every year and they say that the new thing that's going to save you, where you've been going wrong before, it's a calorie deficit because the only way that stored energy is used up is if there's a deficit of energy through nutrition. Calorie deficit. This the laws of thermodynamics. It's the only way that this is going to happen. And knowing that is just amazing. It just allows you to see past all the bullshit in marketing and make make your own deficit. Make your own diet. You just need to work with the one you've got and hone it to suit whatever your outcome is that you want. But you don't want to throw it all out the window and start something new that some crusty doctor who wants to make lots of money uh, is written, faraway land. Um, don't do that. Work with what you've got right now. Understand what the deficit would look like. Eat foods that you enjoy. Yes, we do obviously want to be emphasizing a whole foods-based diet, increasing protein more than likely to um, more adequate levels, especially if you're training, things of that nature. But we just call it a calorie deficit because I want to lose fat. We can come up with a catchy name if we want, but you just don't need to be jumping on someone else's diet. You need to understand what your deficit is by using a calculator estimation and then doing the things that are going to allow you to uh, to reach that. Now, there's obviously lots of other things that can come into play here. It's like our activity level plays a role um, in you know, how much energy you're going to require on an everyday basis versus then how much you're taking in. I always encourage people to be more active. It's going to allow you to eat more food, if that makes sense. Uh, and that can be like getting your steps in, just whether you've got an active job, moving your body more outside of your training. And then training obviously plays a role. We don't usually treat, tra we don't treat training as a means of like burning calories um, and counting that. Training can improve us in so many other ways. It gets us stronger, builds muscle, more mobility, just feeling great, um, separate from, you know, your equation of energy in energy out i know it plays a role but i don't get people to include that in that because it can sort of convolute it and you're then thinking about like burning calories so um 
being more active obviously means you're going to need more energy uh, but you usually will find a sweet spot people that go really hard in one direction and do a lot of a lot of cardio every day in an effort to burn a lot of calories tend to get a lot much larger hunger response um, where uh, leptin will jump up and which is the hormone that makes you hungry and then you end up eating more food and it kind of like unless you want to be doing lots of cardio like lots and lots of cardio to get fitter or you're training for something but otherwise if you're just doing it in an attempt to speed up weight loss but then you end up eating more of it that's one of the impacts that that can have and it ends up just not serving you and you know you want to find the sweet spot between the amount of activity you're doing and your nutritional intake so you've got a deficit that feels good you're able to get fitter and stronger if you have those goals you're able to eat enough food that feels satisfying and satiating and you're still achieving the goal of having a consistent calorie deficit to bring about fat loss. That's the sweet spot that we're trying to aim for. Things that impact that, which is often get blame, is things like hormones that get interrupted by stress and sleep. So it's like when someone says, I did an episode on this, um, bad sleep makes you gain weight. Or like weight loss, sleep is the secret to weight loss. It's because of the impacts that those things have. So when you don't sleep much consistently, you... Um, you know, the, the, for example, ghrelin goes down. Ghrelin makes you feel satisfied uh, and, you know, not hungry. Um, and it's been shown that people that are sleep starved, uh, sleep, sleep deprived, sorry, um, have uh, irregular levels of these hormones. Um, and things like insulin gets impacted. And people talk about how insulin is to blame. You need to manage your insulin. But that doesn't matter if you're not in an overall deficit. This is what I'm talking about. There's always these processes going on. But just understanding that an overall caloric deficit understanding your energy balance overall of in versus out is what will allow you to see past this and make it work for the context of your life so you're not living by some rules so if you want to have carbohydrates in your diet at an ample level which i would recommend especially if you're someone who's training or enjoys carbs then that's going to work for you if you're someone who actually has carbohydrates and feels a bit crappy and low on energy then you're going to want to have higher fat levels for example to meet your caloric levels it's all personal to you and anything can work the thing that you want to make work is the one that you enjoy enough to be consistent with. And that's just the secret to this. Don't live by an arbitrary set of rules that make you miserable. Understand what it's going to require, which is just a calorie deficit, and then reverse engineer that to your life. You can you know, have higher days and lower days. You can play with your carbohydrates. Protein we tend to keep pretty steady because that's going to be really helpful for satiation, for protecting muscle tissue that might otherwise be encouraged to be broken down when you're in a deficit. I mentioned earlier around how your body will break down body fat, but it will also look to muscle tissue. Weight training and having a high protein diet will protect you against muscle loss as much as possible when you are in a calorie deficit looking to lose fat. So those are important things. And long story short the one the best diet is the one that you can stick to so mr 800 calories a day diet can you stick to that no i don't know how long you're going to last but i can't imagine it's going to be more than a couple of weeks and then what's going to happen cool back to square one when you could have been going inroads and learning and understanding about how many calories you require and making a sensible deficit which is more than likely going to be a lot more than 800 calories you're going to feel better you might want to train more and generally, you're just going to be a nice person to be around whilst you're going about this journey. And then people might look at you six months from now and be like, wow, you got in great shape. But I saw you having pizza that one time. I saw you having beer that one time. Hey, didn't you have like, you were eating carbs and stuff. And be like, yeah, I just understood how to make an energy balance, uh, any calorie deficit. I understood my energy balance. And I went about eating foods within those numbers um, that I enjoyed, that I could be consistent with, that maybe enjoy my life whilst I was losing fat. Bingo. 
So guys, I'm going to bring it home there. I'm going to bring it home there. Those of you that ask me questions, thank you so much. Okay, they're going to be, be um, in the next episode at the tail end of this. And this has been episode six. I'm getting some eyes from my man Ben at the window here. Uh, he's coming in to film content with me. So I'm going to wrap it up there. As ever, guys, you can find these episodes from uh, YouTube, the full video episode uh, on Sundays ahead of the regular release on Wednesdays. And we're going to keep the train rolling. Uh, I hope you've really been enjoying these episodes. You've been learning something from them. I've been really enjoying recording them for you guys. So as ever, feedback, you can find me on any social media channel. You can drop me a line as to, uh, as to what you thought, what you want to hear uh, elaborated on further than just your usual social media snippets. And I'll be happy to, uh, to dig into those and record them for you. Uh, so please rate this podcast fairly wherever you listen to it. Let me know your feedback. And until next time, I've been Jasper, and this has been Strive. See ya. Bye.